Welcome to the Blue Bloods Podcast. A college game time production. Quarterback draw. He's got a running room and a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends. Man, I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Man, I love college. Okay, episode 43 of the Blue Bloods podcast. B. Holmes, I'm just going to put it out there up front. By the time you're listening to this, the CFP first initial rankings have already been released. Um, So we'll just go out here in faith and say it's going to be Tennessee, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State in any order is who they are. Definitely. And the first two out is Clemson and TCU, I would say. It should be. Ah, they may put Bama they up put there. They put Bama. Just because it's Bama, Bama. You know? But like I said, it's already released, so if you're listening, you already know. Just know we're recording this before that official release. But the reality is it doesn't matter right now. It has no real bearing on between now and after championship weekend. So, mm-hmm. But we wanted to throw that out there before we got into episode 43. Much closer, man. We're seven episodes away from episode 50. Here we um, go. Okay, before we go conference talk like we've been doing, which, by the way, thank you those uh, who have reached out with your feedback. We were getting good feedback on that as far as the flow and things of that nature, going through each conference and just discussing how it plays out and then how that might lead to the CFP at the end of the season. Um, before we get to that, man, we've got, some, we've got some breaking stories. I mean, they're not breaking anymore, but just yeah. early this week to start the week off, uh, we've had some things happen. Uh, first one, which I'm going to let you say your piece on as it mm-hmm. pertains to the tunnel incident with Michigan State uh, players, plural, and then like player from Michigan, singular. Yeah. Um, and then and then we got to talk about this Auburn situation. Coach Brian Harson has been fired. And uh, uh, oh, boy, there's there's real smoke around like 20 different coaches that are going to be the next head coach of Auburn. (laughs) And I want to dive into that and then we can get into our conference talk. So B Holmes, you want to start with this Michigan, Michigan state. Yeah. um, And we'll touch on the actual game part in the conference play. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is just about the tunnel situation, which at this point, frankly, I'm kind of exhausted reading about it. I think (laughs) I've read every article, every analysis, every perspective that's offered. I've talked to a bunch of different, just friends of mine, and everyone's kind of offered me their opinion. And so um, I think this is what I'm going to say. One, I think, so there's a narrative out there that Jaden McBurrows and Jermon Green, especially Jaden because it's on actual video from a fan on Twitter, stuck his hand in the cage and should expect to get bit because he's like, as you see it where he's kind of jumping and, and express you know, this is you're player. referring to a Michigan player. I'm just yes, the, the, the ones who may yeah, not know. Yeah, yeah. So the way, yeah, Jaden's yeah, he's he's the one that got the jumping from ten to one. So 
And maybe um, I should have prefaced that. Like, guys, if you haven't seen it yet, like, first off, come out from under the hole you've been in or under the rock <laughs> right. you've been under and go watch. There was a very significant scuffle that involved several Michigan State players using their helmets as weapons against one or maybe two Michigan players. Two so that's what Michigan he's... Players. So, so sorry. Yes. Go ahead. So there's a video of... So what happens at Michigan at, at the big house so you, everyone understands... When the game is over, the visiting team is closest to the tunnel. They're supposed to be able to go down the tunnel first. There's supposed to be a break, and then Michigan follows. Normally, Michigan, when they win or after the game, regardless, they go over to a student section. They sing hell to the victors. Mm. Um, what you see happening is the game is over. So what happened at the end of the game anyways is there was already some something going on in the field when the clock hit zero. Mm. You see Jim going out there. You see – Kudos to semi both coaching staffs. Mel Tucker wasn't really involved. He was just trying to do the handshake and leave because he was pissed. <laughs> but you see Jim kind of trying to keep, keep you know, there keep everyone away. There's a, there's a video of him out like yelling at JJ like JJ get away from here, go celebrate, go like you you hear Jim saying go celebrate, go celebrate it because you could feel the tension. I'm assuming on the field. Mm. You, there's a later video um, that come, came out of Jaden McBurrow's number one for Michigan. As Michigan State has there a lot of time to go up the tunnel, he's skipping in between, probably bump, and I'm sure chirping, um, mm. which led to this. Um, now, some people say he shouldn't have did that. He should have read the room. I also say, eh, yes, he should have, but then there's this part of, like, if you watch any other Michigan game, any other Michigan game, like, literally go look at Penn State two weeks ago. You mm. see Penn State players and Michigan Michigan players going up to the tunnel at the same time, like, so I don't know what happens with players. Why I play, you know, I just don't know. And so I'm, I've gone from different vantage points on this trade. This is where I'm going to land. So sorry, now talk to circle to get to no, this point. Go for it. This is where I decided to look at the lens because mm. one part of me does say yes, he should have known better. Why would you do that? You know, you can't. You invited the smoke, or you, you. I, I see that from that vantage point. Mm-hmm. I chose to look at this as the lens of a father now that I have a daughter. So it, it completely changed my viewpoint as an athlete. I get it as a man, you know, who's a high level competitor at the highest level of college athletics. Mm-hmm. I understand the notion of, man, he should have known better than that. Like he invited the smoke. This is, I'm going to give it, this is the example I thought of. Now, you know, my father, mm-hmm. you knew Reggie pretty well. Mm-hmm. Everyone that knows Big Reg knows Reg is intense but also calm. Pretty mm-hmm. level-headed, doesn't really overreact too too much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I put myself as Jaden McBurrows. If I was in that situation and that happened to me, I don't think my father would have said, son, you have to know what you invited yourself into by skipping down the tunnel after the game. Mm-hmm. How do you know that, Brandon? Your dad's not around. My dad almost ripped the head off off a guy in a high school track meet because the guy said I cheated. <laughs> the guy said I cheated. And my mom had to get in between Reggie and this man who was about to get demolished. <laughs> so I for sure certain would believe my father would be like, yeah, my son, regardless if he walked in that tunnel or not, at the improper time or not, if he popped off a little bit or not, 
does not deserve that and did not invite that in his life. So I really want to address this issue that I think we have as a culture that like it's almost this machoism of, Mm. well, why did he expect that to happen? He should have expected that. He should Mm. have known better. Sure, two things can be true. I just kind of leniently, like as I've thought about it, disagree with that. And I'm going to kind of like land this plane here. I think we have to be really careful of the perception of why we think the way we think. Because this is what I came through. And people will say, it's not the same. No, no, just hear my analogy. And it could be a little off, but just hear. It's a little rough. We wouldn't have expected that if Princeton and Yale played. Mm. No one would have said he sh- they should have expected that if Princeton and Yale played. Mm. No one would have said that if Dartmouth and Cornell played. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, it's I'm, you paint the pit, paint, paint color in between the lines as you made with that statement. Mm-hmm. Right. Why should he have expected that he was going to get jumped in the midst of that. So I just I just disagree with that. I do think Michigan, this is what I do think, two things need to happen. I think Michigan has to take responsibility for this, Trey, in the sense of you have to create some type of, in the midst of heated rivalries, you have to create something. Like you have staffers doing stuff. Yeah, like yes. their staffers in random places know like you need to make sure like every last one of those guys goes and then you're like I think Michigan has to create some other systems in place because the tunnel's never really been an issue but you have to know. So I think mm-hmm. that's one thing. Michigan does have to take responsibility. This is your house. You should know that. You have to think through that. I also think Mel Tucker has really has to improve leadership on this because mm-hmm. attitude reflects leadership. What people do inside the culture of your program, of your organization, is what they feel like they're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. I lead a high school youth group. Every week, I vocalize the expectation and the standard. If you don't meet it, you're out. Mm. And it's very clear, cut, and dry. And no one really tests it tested because I've made it very clear the standard. I think Michigan State has kind of gone around too long of we're the underdog, you're going to get into a street fight, and here's the thing I know for sure about people. If you start telling them that they're gritty, tough, and nobody should mess with them, <clears throat> and you bully the big guy long enough, eventually they're just going to do it. Mm. Like, And it's going to get outside the confines of where you're trying to communicate that. So I have nothing wrong with Mel Tucker, Michigan State, and I think D'Antonio really started this era of we punch up, we fight, 60 minutes of unsportsmanlike conduct, all that, that's fine. But I think you also have to do a really good job of saying, Within the confines of this, guys, like once this is over, who are you outside of this? Um, Because though I love the gritty, though I love the underdog story, because that's partly my story, I feel like, I think you also have to do a good job of reminding this person, like, don't let that consume fully who you are, that that's all you act out as, because eventually that grittiness turns into an evil, that you have to live up to this reputation. So you have to be really careful with that. So I think... Both, well, both people can go ahead. I was going to say, I think the line in the sand there is discipline, right? Like, yeah. like I think everything you just described is a hundred percent fine, but then when there's no discipline around it, that's when it becomes toxic or evil, as you just mentioned, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, I mean, yeah, that's part of the game. It's a violent game. It's a gritty game. And you want to, you know, it doesn't even have to be football. It can be basketball, whatever. You want to yep. have that junkyard dog mentality, but like Absolutely. we're going to be disciplined too. Right. Because discipline is a part of grit. Um, right. Now, what I also want to say on this to kind of piggyback off yours is the thing that really like took this to a, a, 
just much more escalated level than a, a, a locker room scuffle was like multiple players from Michigan yeah. state were using their helmets as yep. weapons, yeah. right? Like that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a, a weapon like that. I don't <laughs> want to go dramatic here, but like that could kill somebody. Yep. That's where this thing becomes much more than just a, a kid getting jumped, right? Like, yes. Like, okay. Yeah. He came in and poked the bear and he could expect a black eye. Okay. Yeah. A black eye, not, not a, a brain that no longer works properly because right. that's what, that's what the, the, the resulting could have been from that type of attack. I mean, I'm thinking of it like we wouldn't even be thinking twice about that. If it were say baseball and say, even though they're in separate dugouts, but let's just say a similar situation happened where one baseball player from an opposing team mm-hmm. ran over to the other team. And in college, they use these aluminum bats. And imagine if two college players took just two aluminum that. bats and just started wailing on this one right. player, you're going, Whoa, this is more than just an unfair fight. Like you could make an argument. They're trying to like permanently you're damage him severely hurt someone, man. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate because you mentioned about the, the from the fatherly perspective, Jim Harbaugh spoke about that Monday, and he was saying the same thing. Like, I'm entrusted with these kids right. by their parents. And when I look at this from a parent perspective, he's like, I can't imagine this resulting in anything less than than yeah. like criminal charges. And it, and to me, it's part of the game, Trey. Like, I get it. Emotions run high. I get everything right. But it goes back to what you said: is Mel Tucker has to do a way because this is a dumpster fire right now you're already not winning your team's losing you put this on the on the a black eye on your university it comes like this is a story that came to my mind as i like because i really thought about this man and part of me is like and my burrows probably shouldn't have said anything which could be true but then i think about this right you know it's it's just as part of like part of being a competitor is also learning how to lose well Mm. That's in life. You have to learn. I'll never forget this story. I was a senior in high school. It was like a meet before, like, districts. I had beat this kid, like, 50 million times. We're at J.J. Pierce. Um, I run this race. They, like, loaded the heat up because normally in 800, there's only, like, 12 of y'all. They loaded it up with, like, 22 runners because the, the meet was behind schedule. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I kind of got a, a sick, sucky starting position. I got boxing, whatever. Still almost won the race. I get beat by this kid that I've annihilated for, like, the last two and a half years. Like, mm. this kid has never beat me. Um, he beats me in this race, and he goes by, and he shakes my hand, and I'll never forget this kid's face. I know exactly what he looks like. I remember he was from J.J. Pierce. He used to wear the little choker necklace. Like, I remember fully who he was. Mm. And he was like, man, great race, man. Good job. You know, because he just knows he's never beat me. And I go, I'm going to bury you next time. You'll mm. never beat me again. Like, I remember saying that to him. And so my dad came up to me afterwards, and we're walking because my dad, you know, does a lot of my, like, post-race stuff. And he's like, you know, tough race. We're talking about it. And I told him what happened. And my dad looked me in the eye and goes, "The he goes, true sign of greatness is how you handle defeat. Mm. Brandon, you win really well. Can you lose really well? And I challenge you as you're navigating life, not just sports, but life, when things don't go your way and you lose well, can you lose with grace, with dignity, with honor, with respect? Because that's what people are going to remember more than the, than the victories. Mm. And I look at the scenario, and Mel Tucker really, um, for all intents and purposes, really needs to, I think, look in the mirror and go, 
what am I really communicating? How am I really leading this team? Am I really doing what these parents are entrusting me to do, which is to raise and mentor young men? Now, it's not just on you. It's on your coaching staff the whole nine. Right. But are you teaching them the discipline of losing well? Because mm-hmm. football's over in three to four years. Like, and that's that's the thing. Like, that's what I'm more worried about at the end of the day, Trey, is like, I hate Michigan State. There's no qualms about it. You know, I hate them. Like, they're, they're just my rival. I have no like for those guys. But I know a bunch of people that went to Michigan State. Like, and that's Michigan State's mantra. Like, in everything, bro, they're the gritty because they're the underlooked school in the right. state, whatever. But what are you communicating? Like, what are you turning this program into? Don't get me wrong. I love the grittiness, the Spartan dog aspect, all that thing. But what are you going to do now, now that you're entrusted with 85 to 100, pretty much 100 because the roster is 115 young mm-hmm. men each year. Parents trust you to do right by their kids, not just on the football field, but in life. What are you going to communicate? And I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really like his response post game. I don't really like his yeah. response two days later. It just seems like a fabricated PR response. Um, so I'm just interested to see what he does moving forward. Um, because, you know, regardless of how much you make, you're still a public figure and you're entrusted with the lives and mentoring of young men. And I'm not saying Michigan is – completely off the hook. There's things, and obviously they need to do on their side. But I think in this scenario, I'm really interested to see how Mel Tucker pivots. Mm. How does his team now perform? Because um, there's some quality guys in that Michigan State. Like, and I'm going to say this, and we can wrap it up. I saw the ABC Tunnel video. Xavier Henderson, number three, their star safety, came in there and pushed all his team, get back in the locker. Like, there were some – you can see the leaders on that team that are like, okay – hey, let's get out. You see the guy that grabbed a teammate, number 44, and he walked off and was like, you can't, like, you can see him like, bro, you cannot do that. So I believe it's some of that in there that needs to reflect more so. It can be chippy between the lines. It can be gritty between the lines. But at the end of the game, we see this week in and week out in every college football game. Man, guys, these guys know each other. They dap each other up after the game. They love each other. They laugh. You know, you saw it in the – go look at the Penn State tunnel thing on YouTube. You can see it. I mean, there's guys from Penn State and from Michigan that are laughing, high five. You know, obviously one team lost. It right. needs to be that. We can be gritty between the lines. We cannot like each other between – honestly, we cannot like each other outside of here. That's fine. But at the end of the day, there needs to be respect on both ends. And I shouldn't have to – yes, I can create protocols to prevent things from this happening. But for the sake of the, the, sake of the matter, I shouldn't have to create so many protocols that, like – people that we can't trust grown adults to walk down the tunnel together after a game. Mm-hmm. It's to me, it's that simple. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it really was um, just a crazy situation all the way around. I appreciate what Harbaugh said on Monday, but uh, that's not the only uh, headlining news that's happened in the past couple of days, but no. uh, down there in Auburn, uh, They've decided to move on from Coach Brian Harson, and woo, it's uh, there's a it's, lot it's of a matter of time. Yeah, it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It took it took the Razorbacks. You know, Razorbacks had to come in town, handle that, spank that booty, and then uh, <laughs> that that sealed the fate of Brian Harson. But um, that job right now, I think I've seen Deion Sanders, mm-hmm. Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze, yeah. Lane Kiffin, mm-hmm. and there's one I think I'm missing. But those four are like all serious contenders. Someone had put on Twitter that since uh, Sunday or since Monday, 
<laughs> they said, I've seen serious smoke around Deion Sanders, serious smoke around Hugh Free, serious smoke around Matt Rule, and serious smoke around Lane Kiffin being named the next head coach at Auburn. Maybe everyone out there is just getting really high. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is with these coaching searches, man. It like, is, man. It is. So uh, I think, man, it's so much to unpack for each one. Obviously, Matt Rule is available right now. Like, mm-hmm. he currently is not working, doesn't have a job. Um, cashing checks. He's cashing checks. So he's there. He's available. He's another one, I think, to, to keep an eye on for Nebraska. Here's my take on Matt Rule. Not saying he wouldn't be excellent at Auburn. But where he's had the most success at the college ranks are at programs where you recruit, develop, and get more out of less, so to mm-hmm. speak. Right? Like he he turned Temple into a into a you know G five powerhouse, if you will, while he was there. Uh yep. you saw what he did at Baylor, won a sugar bowl. Um I just I'm not so sure because not every guy who's successful at those types of places are successful at places like Auburn, where the right guy at Auburn can get a top five, top three recruiting class. Easily. You know what I mean? You can get yeah. those five stars like crazy. And so that's my take on him. Lane Kiffin, or do you have anything on Matt Rule to Auburn? Nah, I, I don't think he'll I don't think that's who they'll pick. I think Auburn wants to make a splash higher, and I don't feel like Matt Rule's that guy. Absolutely. And quite frankly, like if Matt Rule right now, as far as what's available, he's he's a better fit at either Nebraska or Wisconsin if he's going to go Wisconsin. back to the college route. Yeah, I mean, he's like tailor-made for that. I mean, he looks like a badger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he, he would fit Wisconsin very well. I, I, I would put him there over Nebraska. So um, it's kind of like who's the other coach that, that looks like the mascot? Ah, it's escaping me. It'll hit me in a minute. But it, but but it, there's a there's a coach that like closely resembles. Oh, it was Brad Stevens with the Celtics. Like, <laughs> like he looks like a leprechaun. So it's like like Matt Rule. Like he looks like a little badger. Um, but Lane Kiffin. Now this one, I think I think could be there could be something here. Uh, it's like I told you. Lane Kiffin is not replacing the staff that he had to replace this year if he's at Auburn. Um, right. Guys aren't bolting for other jobs for bigger pay raises if he's at Auburn. Yes. And that's important. Auburn is also somewhere where you can recruit a team, which I believe he would have the ability to do, that 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 could, that could be a force f- for, you know, Nick Saban year in and year out. Um, But do I actually think it's going to happen? I I don't know. Uh, I don't think, I do think, I'm sorry. I do think his time, his days at Ole Miss are numbered. Um, I think he's, he's, you know, taking, taking this team. I mean, he's, he's taking them to the heights about that they could, that they could, that they can reach like as, as, as high of a ceiling as Ole Miss has, I think Lane Kiffin, you know, has, has reached that. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fair statement. I don't mean that to be negative towards, 
towards Ole Miss. I'm just saying, like, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess he didn't win the Sugar Bowl, right? So, and with Hugh Freeze, they did, they did. So it's like he hasn't quite exceeded it. But now, can he get Ole Miss to an SEC championship game? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe if he sticks around, waits for Saban to retire. Um, I think that's probably feasible, but I don't know mm-hmm. that he's wanting to do all that. Uh, even just going back to some of the statements he made earlier this season about the crowd, and he even, I think, referenced Nebraska or something. and um, Maybe not. Maybe it was Nebraska writers that were taking what he was saying as like a, a, a read between the lines because yeah. it was fairly it was soon after the, the Nebraska job came open. Um but I do. I think that it's a better job. I think that he is going to be a top candidate. I think he will get, you know, obviously will get more money. Uh, he will have more of an opportunity to to win a national championship. And, you know, he'll have a staff budget that, you know, if he comes in and he wins, you know, I mean, what do you think about Kiffin to Auburn? Um, I talked to Tommy, our, our friend Tommy, oh, yeah. about this yesterday. Um, he was very passionate. I actually have one. Seven text in a row from Tommy. TV, let's this go. Is, this is all about Kiffin. <laughs> um, does, does he not want to lose him, or tell yeah. us? No, I think I think Tommy made a good point. Actually, what I think, I think so. Tommy essentially says this, and I actually agree with him. Um, to paraphrase everything he said, Kiffin won't be in Oxford forever. Like that, I think that's a no brainer. I think any Ole Miss fan that think Kiffin's going to be in Oxford Oxford forever, you're about to, you're going to hit with the hard reality. Eventually, I don't know if Kiffin actually leaves for Auburn though. Um, yeah, I think Kiffin. I think Kiffin is waiting, and Tommy also said this. He will. He's he's waiting for the big big name program to open back up. I, as for I would say a tier one program name, you know, and those are very far and few in between. Those are the Bama, the Texas's, the Ohio State's, Notre Dame's, those tier one big name blue blood programs. I don't foresee any of those opening anytime soon, but as we know, coaching carousel changes. You know, all it takes is one or two bad seasons at a big name program, and, and that opens up. I don't, I don't see him going to Auburn, because um, to me, I, I don't. And this is my opinion. I don't know if Auburn's a better, technically a better job than Ole Miss. Ole Miss, and the facts of like he hasn't made it Ole Miss. Um, there's not like a ton of pressure. I think people love Lane Kiffin in Oxford. Um, what he's done there, what he continues to do there is pretty incredible. I mean, he has a chance to match his win total of last year, this year, with a brand-new coaching staff. Obviously, we know that's the problem. His assistants are, aren't going to get the type of pay they would get out of Tennessee or Bama. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Lane recognizes that. And so, But I, I just don't know if he wants to leave a sweet setup for a – which is essentially kind of hectic right now and more spotlight for Auburn. Like, I just don't consider Auburn a tier one coaching job i think it's a really really good one i don't know if i will leave old miss in the sweet setup for it um it's to me it's just not that gig now if we're talking bama opened up absolutely um you think though i don't think anyone wants to follow saban no one wants to follow saban but i think you have to have a little bit of air mm, confidence let me rephrase yeah that, cause I i'm think with air, you and and i think lane has the confidence that you i think you have to have a lane kiffin attitude to follow saban like yeah, Nick is Nick. That's cool. We loved everything he did. I honor the greatness of who Nick Saban is. But I'm not Nick Saban. 
and I'm cool. Like you have to have. I think Lane Kiffin is very comfortable in who he is. Um, I think he's very comfortable in his own shoes. I don't know if he really cares too much about what people think about him. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I think he's like the type of guy you would want to follow Saban because I don't think he's going to get caught up into the hoopla of the yesteryear because Saban would do this, and, and I think he's going to be like, yeah, that's true. Nick would do that, but I'm doing it this way. So I don't think he leaves for Auburn. Not in my opinion. I just don't think it's worth it. Okay, so let me pose this just response to that. Um, the part I do agree with is, like, nobody wants to go to Auburn right now. Um, it's it's just not a super attractive in the state that it's in. However, when a program is in the state that Auburn is in, and Auburn wants that big splash higher, that big splash higher has a lot of leverage in negotiations. Oh, you want me to come into that? Then you better write this check. Okay, so that's that's one thing to just take into consideration that mm-hmm. is always at play, regardless of what coaches yep. or whoever say. At the end of the day, the bottom line is the bottom line, and that's that money. Right. Now, let me make sure I don't lose because I've got I've got. Okay, so to the point of him wanting the big the big, you know, big name yep. job, so to speak. I don't see him going necessarily somewhere like Notre Dame or, or even Ohio state necessarily, even though, as we've talked about Ryan day, even though he's rolling and cooking right now, like his job's going to be defined on whether or not he wins the game. Yeah. Um, maybe, I don't know though. Here's what I think. I think, so let's just say though, that that's the case. Let's say he wants to wait for, I don't know. I don't know because at one point I thought he was going to go. He, he he would he would leave to take over one of the Florida schools. But mm-hmm. um, Auburn is a place where you could. I think you have a better chance at Auburn, short term and long term, at a, at a program like Auburn to boost that resume, to even be more attractive for that big name job but also not have to worry about hiring and replacing coaches year in and year out and make more money. Like why not get more security? But here's, here's an argument I want to pose about this Auburn job. If Lane Kiffin is who we think he is and who he's showing to be since, you know, going through the Saban like Mm -hmm. recovery program, like all these coaches do. And, and he's at, Florida Atlantic, and then now at Ole Miss, kind of what he's shown he can and is doing. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason why he couldn't have Auburn, why he couldn't have the impact on Auburn that Kirby Smart had at Georgia. Because if you look at Georgia prior to Kirby Smart coming there, like one of the big knocks on them was they didn't even have an indoor facility or or a very good one at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. Um. You look at like Mark Rick's last decade at Georgia, they were a steady eight to 10 win team. Mm-hmm. They made it to, I'm looking at it right now. They made it to the SEC championship a couple of times. I mean, really what he was at Georgia was very mirrors, very similar. What like Gus Malzahn was at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, Like that potential is what I'm saying. It's like the quote unquote earning That's potential is there. And so, 
Because even when Kirby went to Georgia, it was like, oh, like you, you kind of just go Georgia is Georgia. Georgia is right. Georgia. No, you know, Bama or, or Auburn is Auburn. So if Lane Kiffin really is who we think he is, I would be very attracted to this job because this could be that big time job. Like it could be that. Yes. And you could be the reason to bringing it to that point. Um, I think with how the recruiting landscape has changed, um, because that was the thing with Gus Malzahn. Go look at his recruiting classes at Auburn. Like the knock on him was he could get all that talent in and just he, he was kind of he kind of had the same as like the Jimbo Fisher uh uh mm-hmm. reputation. It's like he'd get all these big time players in, but like what's he doing with them? Winning, you know, winning eight games a season. Right. Um, and even Rick, like that's kind of what happened with Georgia, is they like they just got, kind of got tired of being this eight to ten win team. Um you know, only to get to the SEC championship a couple times just to lose and playing in the out, Capital One, the Outback, the, the Outback Gator, Bowl, the yeah. Belt Bowl. I mean, that's kind of what Auburn's been, but the but but Kirby comes in and shows no 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 no. This this be could fanatics. be yeah. And that's I believe Auburn, because of its location, because of its facilities, because of its history, like it has all the things you need. To be a Bama, a LSU, uh, uh, you know, what Georgia is becoming. It just needs yeah. the right guy in there to make it happen. So while we're talking about the right guy in there to make it happen, no, I don't want to get to him just yet. I want to get to one more coach, and that's Hugh Freeze. Um, Who just signed an extension with Liberty, by the way. And he seems very committed Did you read the to Liberty. On huh? him last year at Liberty? Yes. It was a great yes. article. And like he wants to be with them. Like if they, they like he wants the athletic conference, then the ACC conference, you know, he, cause he, yeah. he, he like, it sounds like he wants to be there and, and sort of be a part of that program. He's going NCAA 14 with it. Like, yeah. He wants to build them up and take yeah, them as and, high as they can go. And I also think it's the personal side for Hugh Freeze. He mm. seems way more relaxed. And this is what the article alluded to, I think, last year. He's way more relaxed, a lot less stressful more time at home, more time with the family. Um, it's a it's a cool place. Like, I think, you know, I, and actually I, I understand that because I just went from, you know, I just switched jobs a couple months ago and I went from flying on planes every week, um, living in yep. downtown Philadelphia to now live in Cape Coral, Florida, which is a retirement community. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, wow, this is, like, nice. Um, but then yeah. to, but to my point, though, with this with Hugh Freeze, I wonder if eventually you kind of get antsy. Mm. But then on the other side of it, it all depends, like, work environment. So, and I'm using myself as an example as we talk about Hugh Freeze. I'm in Cape Coral, Florida. Let me tell you, there's nothing here. It is, like, the only thing open up late is Culver's. Like, um, <laughs> I just moved from the number, the fifth largest city in America to a <laughs> retirement community. Like, so Hugh Freeze went from big-time SEC football to a private Christian university, and I think it's in Virginia, right? Liberty's in yep. Virginia. Uh-huh. Um, it's in Virginia. But, and most people say, how do you deal with it? And I'm like, though I don't have all my amenities, though I can't walk out my front door and go to a bodega or go and there's something open to whenever I want to have food or there's no public transportation that allows me to take a subway. I can't get to New York in an hour anymore. Like, none of those things. But, man, my work environment is so dope. Like, mm. I love who I work with, i.e. Corey and the team. I love yeah. I love going like, man, when I come home, <clears throat> when I leave work, I'm done with work. Come home, 
I get I get to do life with my wife and my kids. And so there's a different level of fulfillment there that I'm for the time being, you know, that I'm like, oh, this is good. And I, me and Corey had this conversation. I was like, man, as long as you're down here, I think I'll be all right. Like we get to yeah. work, we get to be friends, we get to do this. So I I think I kind of feel that same way with Hugh, just kind of hearing his sentiment about liberty that he's kind of like, yeah, I get it. I don't get the amenities of big big time SEC football, but. I think after everything he went through, he's kind of seeing this light of, uh, this more life is more than big time SEC football. My, right. my kids love it here. My wife loves it here. We're a healthier family than we've ever been. They love me at this university. We share the same values, morals. I can give up some of that, and then if I need it, I make enough that I can just go travel and go get what I need. But it's good. So I, I'm I'm wondering about this with you, Freeze is. <clears throat> did he have such a transformational experience through what he went through mm. that he's kind of like, I don't know if I really want to go back to that um, per se because I know what that brings, and I really like this because it's super healthy for me. Well, I mean, when I listen to all that, it's almost like – and money can certainly cloud and convolute this, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like that line in the sand between am I chasing purpose and calling or am I chasing yep. ambition? You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, like, you know, we we saw, unfortunately for him, like it got exposed to the entire world what chasing ambition did to him personally, yep. right? It resulted in a very public moral failure. And so now – everything you just described, it's like he's now in a place where he's doing what he's called to do, but he's able to keep it about his calling and his purpose and not just about ambition and expectations or whatever. Um, Here's my funny thing on Hugh Freeze. This is another thing I saw on Twitter and I read it. And at first I was like, wait, and I thought, oh, that's hilarious about the Auburn job. Auburn fans wanted to fire their national champion winning coach to hire a former head coach of Arkansas state university. They wanted to fire that former head coach of Arkansas state university to go hire another former head coach of Arkansas state university. Now they want to, now they've now they wanted to fire that former head coach of Arkansas state university. And now some of, some of these fans want to hire you guess it, a former head coach at Arkansas state (laughs) university. Cause like, Cause uh, I'm pretty sure it went Kiffin. I'm sorry. It went freeze Harson, Malzon, like in that order, as far as being the head coach at, uh, or maybe it was uh freeze Gus. I don't know what order. I think maybe Harson, maybe Harson replaced Gus and Gus replaced freeze. Something like that. Um, Cause I think it was like freeze was the head coach for a year. Malzahn was the head coach for a year, and then Harson took over and was there for a couple years before going to Boise. I think that's the the, the pattern. Um, so, anyways, the the only other thing um, I want to say on Kiffin before we get to who I would be like the ultimate splash hire at Auburn, yep. um, is if LSU couldn't lure him. Not saying they went after him. I don't know, but. It was also tougher because they're getting ready to go into the Sugar Bowl, but I think I think uh, it, it might be tougher. It, it, that 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 makes things tough for you know, like maybe Auburn. I don't know. I just feel like Auburn with the right guy 
Like if Kiffin is who we think he is, like I feel like he could turn Auburn, he could have the same impact on Auburn that Kirby Smart had on Georgia. But I'll leave it at that. Let's get to the man that would would just absolutely break the internet, so to speak, if if he was hired. And that is none other than Deion Sanders, Coach, Coach Prime. Prime, baby. Uh, he is he is a, a, a top candidate. As he and should be. What's interesting about this? There's so much you could say. So much any of us could say. The thing to me that makes Auburn like more likely than any of these other Power Five jobs is the fact that they're an Under Armour school. That matters. <laughs> and like when you're talking about Deion Sanders, who who has a you know, for lack of better terms, a life outside of his coaching life. Yep. Yep. Like he's not going to go somewhere and wear Nike or Adidas. Like he is an Under Armour guy. Like look at his, I mean, it's crazy because people may not pay attention to this, but like, uh, uh, Shiloh, his son, not, not the quarterback, but his other son, not Shador, but Shiloh played his freshman year at South Carolina. South Carolina was an Under Armour school. school. Okay. Uh, you come to Jackson State, who I believe was a Nike school. They hired Coach Prime and became an Under Armour school. Uh, Shador has just become like I think the first feature athlete of the Brady brand, which is a subsidiary, kind of like the Curry brand of mm-hmm. Under Armour. And this goes back to his to his truth days of of yep. coaching a little league, having a little league football program in Dallas. Dallas, yep. And and that's when he flipped from Nike because you got to think when he was a player he he always wore Nike but with his truth and all that he became an Under Armour guy and really every school high school that he was a part of Prime Prep and then I think Trinity Christian Academy those were Under Armour schools yep and then and so like I don't know what that contract is or how much he's making off of that but there's obviously like some roots there oh definitely so he's not gonna go somewhere I don't believe. That's wearing another brand other than Under Armour, and then not only is that all those are are those things in play, but Auburn is what it's a couple hours from Jackson. I mean, isn't it's that not far? It's not yeah, far it's not from far. where he currently is. Um, closer to his home state. Yep. So talk about it. What do you think about this? Um, first shout out to Under Armour. I remember when they first came out with cleats, the boom boom clack. Commercial. We own this house. We Max, must protect this house. My, yeah, my teammate Max Mar had a pair, and they ripped in the first half of the first game, and we went back to Nike. Um, but anyways, so they've come a long way. I think this is about Coach Prime, man. Um, he. This is what I can appreciate. I. The more and more I think about it, the more and more I think this potentially could happen if if Auburn is wise about it. I will give kudos to Coach Prime with this from the 60 Minutes interview to this past week at game day, which they did a phenomenal job going to Jackson State. It was great to see them do the HBCU Classic. Prime has been upfront and honest. Mm -hmm. I would be a fool to entertain, not entertain anything that comes my way. I would be a fool which I love because most coaches, I'm going to focus on the here and now, and you know mm-hmm. they give you the coach speed, and we know stuff happens behind the scene. I think it's twofold for Prime. I think he's obviously, I think he'd be interested, but I think it's also on the side that he's letting these HBCU supporters know 
I will entertain other things unless we can give me the things I need that these schools like Auburn and Bama and LSU have. Like, you know, when they said, I don't know if you saw the 60-minute interview. They were like, there's no hydrotherapy tub in Jackson. And he's like, nah, it's a pool, and hopefully you put a little fan in that bad boy, and it goes. So I think he's pretty clear on – I think he's doing two things. One, I think he's being honest. I'm open to entertaining whatever comes my way. And I think Auburn would be fools to not get him on a plane or to fly down or drive down to Jackson, Mississippi and have a conversation with Coach Prime and seeing what that is about and how open he is to it. Two, I think it's also Prime saying, Jackson State, whoever, if y'all need to get get some people on the phone because I, I have a $4 million operating football budget. That mm-hmm. is some people's recruiting department's budget. This is my mm-hmm. whole football budget. I also think this comes into play. It comes down to his 12 disciples. And if anybody mm-hmm. that's watched the thing on Barstool Sports, yep. I see. Yep. Those, those are his boys. Don't get me wrong. He loves all those kids at Jackson State. But the 12 disciples are the kids that left big-time power football programs to come start something special in Jackson State. I feel this. I think some of those guys may have graduated on their way. This might be their year to graduate. So I think he'll probably lose, I think, about four or five of those guys, if I'm correct. I should have did mm-hmm. a little bit more research. I think – if he feels like a good majority of them can come to Auburn and play, which I believe majority of them can because most of those guys came from big-time, mm-hmm. big power five schools, like big-time schools. I think the last but not least Lego in all of this is, does he feel like Shador can play at the SEC level as a quarterback? Because we know Shiloh can. Shiloh actually got burned at South Carolina. Like, he wasn't a slouch. I believe he got a little playing time before mm. he transferred. He was only a freshman, so he got some mm-hmm. playing time. So we know Shiloh can play at the SEC level. We know everybody else of the 12 disciples can play at the SEC level. We know Travis Hunter can play mm-hmm. at the SEC level. He was the number one overall recruit in the country for a reason, and he could have decided if he wanted to play receiver or defensive back. He is that good, and Prime has solidified that. He is he could bond, Prime has said it. He could be the number one overall pick in the draft when he decides to come out. He's mm. that good. I think it comes down, does he feel like Shador can compete as a quarterback, not just at the Power 5 level, but in the SEC? Mm-hmm. I think if he feels like Shador is an SEC caliber quarterback, I think Auburn is really has a good chance of landing this higher. I think a lot really does, personally, Trey. I think it hangs on the quarterback situation. Can his son play at that level? Because I think everything else is okay. Like you said, they're Under Armour school. I believe every other kid that's part of his 12 disciples, plus Travis Hunter, can play at Auburn. I think they're all good enough to play at Auburn. Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to this place. He would not leave his son and not complete what he started if he does not feel like his son can compete at the Power 5 level. So my question is, and I I believe this is so about Coach Prime, can he make an honest assessment about how good his, his son is at quarterback? Mm-hmm. Like, can he really look at him from the business side of a coach and go make the honest? Now, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know how good Shador can be. We saw what he can do in the SWAC, and I, he played as a true freshman last year. He's having a bona fide big-time season this year. But there's a that's a big jump from SWAC to SEC. Um, I think it comes down to that. I think Shador is the biggest piece in this. Well, and I think what's going to impact that too is he's got to go, okay, am I confident I can go get the beef up front to protect him? Because um, yep. I, I, I agree. I think that's the ultimate X factor. In fact, I don't, even, I don't even know that the 12 disciples are as much 
because I don't think he would want to just leave and then gut Jackson State on the way out. Obviously, guys are going to make the decisions they need to make, but I think if he felt like, all right, this situation is good for not just me, but it's good for my son. And that's where it might get a little difficult for him, right? Because I bet, you know, he's going to have a price. Like, Mm -hmm. if you want me to entertain your job, it's going to, like, this number is what will at least get me to the table. And if a place is like, oh, okay, um, he's going to go, okay, now I need to evaluate. I mean, I could even see a scenario where he comes in, red shirts Shador, lets him lets him get get a feel for practicing, get some game time experience to get a feel for that, help his confidence, just roll with whoever's already on campus or maybe go get a grad transfer, a one-year mm-hmm. type of deal and and you know, run it that way possibly. Uh and then of course the 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 most likely result is that he just stays at Jackson State because Back to the Hugh Freeze thing. Dion has said the same stuff. Like he feels that this is, he, he, he didn't choose Jackson state. He was called to Jackson state. God called him collect as he said. Yeah. And he's, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's done more than enough to be able to leave in good conscience. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. from the facilities, from the exposure, from the wins and losses on the field. Um, community engagement, all of those things. But when you hear him talk, he also is very adamant. Like my job's not finished yet. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy though, because he could in theory get a contract worth more than any contract he ever had as a player. And, and that's I think insane. It also goes out. He, you know, he cares about his coaching staff too, though. That was his other yes. biggest concern. I got to be able to pay my guys. And he's getting, he has top quality assistance. But, you know, they all kind of leave because, you know, and we saw, on the, if you haven't seen the Barstool documentary of him at Jack State was great. It was his strength, his strength and conditioning guy got yep. the call from Min- the Vikings. Minnesota Vikings. And he was yep. like, dude, you got to take it. Like, I can't afford to pay you this. This yep. is an opportunity you got to take. So I think that also does come into consideration because I think Prime is like in this sweet spot because he's in, he's like, what, 55? 56. Yep. I think he's in this really cool spot where obviously he knows how much money he's made. I think he's done really well for himself financially, outside investments, all these other things. I think he it is a purpose call for him, but I think I wonder this because purpose purpose doesn't always fit in one box. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes I, I think I wonder this about Prime if he's starting to think that like I've done a good job here on the broad spectrum. Can I still continue being an advocate and putting my money where my mouth is by stepping into quote unquote, a higher office that allows me to kind of use some of these upper rooms I'm in per se mm-hmm. to help. Now that I know the inner workings of how all this works, can I use now this leverage being at a school like Auburn to help benefit HBCU football? Um, can I make purpose fit into a newer box? Because I still want to give, because let's, okay, we're here, so let's just talk, let, let's just, I'm going to mm-hmm. say this. Yeah. 
Prime also understands the discrepancy of minority coaching candidates. Mm-hmm. Does he also say, this gets my foot into a door that gives my guys that I bring up a shot that they would never get? And mm-hmm. if I have success here, this now opens them to opportunities that we normally don't get. So I, I, I wrestle with that with Coach because I know it's like this thing with Jackson State, but I also know he's been in football his entire life, man. He knows the game. He knows how it works. Mm-hmm. Could purpose fit in a different box? And could he use the leverage of what he would get at a program like Auburn to help his guys or help some other people coming behind him um, to also help impact the community and the organization and the structure of HBCU football? Because I think, I think it could be both if-ands, and I think it could be a win-win. Um, obviously, I don't know the inside structure of how this thing works, but part of me is like, uh, purpose can look different. It can, it can still be purpose, but fit in a different box. And you can still do more um, than you're doing now while still kind of – because he's a competitor, man. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says. And he even said, he goes, I just smell like win- winning is my odor. Like, yeah. I can't help but think, though he's in purpose, in the back of his mind, as he's he's played in the World Series, he's won Super Bowls. Yeah. Prime's going to go down arguably as one of the top – I'm going to say top 20 players that ever played the game. You got to think, man, in the back of his mind, he wants to know, I think I can win with the big boys. The SEC yeah. is the best conference in football. I think he, I think he wants to scratch that itch if he gets the right shot. That's just – as a and, winner, I think you just want that. I mean, and if there's anyone that – just at least from a recruiting standpoint that that is going to make Nick Saban start to get a little <laughs> – like, it's him. Um he almost stole one more from an offensive lineman just recently. It was down to yeah. Jackson State and Bama. Oh, what was the other thing I was going to say on that? Is Oh, it kind of reminds me of everything you were just saying. is like what John Thompson used to say, the former Georgetown, Georgetown uh, basketball coach. You know, he talked about this in his book where he was saying, you know, in the era where I was coming up as one of the only few minority coaches in big-time college basketball, he said, I knew – He's like, I carried it an extra burden because I knew that other schools, other universities, other ADs, he's like, it's not that I was the only qualified minority to do the things that I did. He's like, that's why I didn't like it when, oh, the first minority uh, head basketball coach to win a, win a national championship, the first African-American head basketball coach mm-hmm. to win a national championship. How does it, and he's like, well, no, I was just the first to have the opportunity to. I'm not right, the first right. one that was skilled or gifted enough to. And he, but what he said is he would carry this burden of like, I knew people would use me as their example, whether or not to Mm -hmm. provide opportunities to other minority coaches in the Mm -hmm. future. And that's kind of, that could be, like you said, that purpose piece that, that, that prime is thinking about as he's weighing his, his decision. Now I think for his current staff, I think what it is, is it's a perfect opportunity for someone to get a head coaching job that's on the staff right now to take over for Jackson mm-hmm. State. And a lot of those guys will probably stay because mm-hmm. that's an amazing staff. And it was it on is. pretty much hardly any kind of budget. You know, yeah. most of those guys that he has on his staff right now are either like, re- we're like either like retired, retired. or on the back end <laughs> where money's set, everything's good. Man, you put him somewhere at Auburn and he has a three and a half, four million dollar assistant coach's budget. <laughs> like, there's no telling who he's going to have come into town. 
Yep. And it may even be some of them may be some of the same guys that he's got right now that he trusts and he knows the experience that they have. And then other ones that will open up his net to be able to go get more. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, it'll be curious to see how it plays out. Um, and it, I'm curious to know, too, is Auburn's interest as real as social media is making it out to be? Yeah. Because you just never know. I mean, gosh, it wasn't but a couple of years ago when they hired Harson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and they they, there were AD. other, yeah. I mean, there were other bigger candidates on the, and then there's the the smoke around possible uh, uh, Mississippi State's AD coming no, he, to town. He got hired, so, so he got State's hired. Time. He got he got hired uh, yesterday. John yeah, is he going to bring Mike Leach? Is he going to go try and get Dan Mullen? Like, what's he yeah. going to do? You know, right? Um. Anyways, uh, well, let's we can kind of go quickly we, we we can we can kind of go through conference by conference now um all right acc i don't want to be a broken record but i'm in my unc carolina blue today because i just think this team is going to be a, a a dream breaker is what i think a, a season wrecker i'm hoping i want them to win out they pretty much I think they are one win away from locking up the coastal division, but I want them to be 11 and one going into that Clemson game for the ACC championship. And I want them to be like, I just said, season record, home record, you know, heartbreaker, whatever it is. And then I'm curious what a 12 and one ACC championship, North Carolina team, where do they, where do they fall? Uh, in the, in the final CFP rankings, especially if by that point, after all these SEC teams have had a chance to beat themselves up after Michigan, Ohio state have had a chance to play Clemson will should be in that top four by that point. If they win out should be because, should be. because by that point, Michigan and Ohio state will have already played the Tennessee Georgia game will have already played. I mean, like all that will have played itself out to where, Hmm. Could an 11 and one North Carolina squad squeak its way in the fighting Mac Browns behind Drake may brother of Luke awesome. may <laughs> freshman quarterback on pace for a 40 plus touchdown 40,000 plus yard season. I don't know. So be interesting. Yeah. I think, I mean, cause Clemson has a big game against Notre Dame this week, but that doesn't control the ACC. So I think they went out. And I really don't want them. I hate Clemson. I want them to lose a game between now and then. The only reason why I don't, I want them to lose a game, but I want them to lose the ACC championship game because I want to see what they do with North Carolina. If North North Carolina is in fact 11 and one beat Clemson to go 12 and one. Now, truthfully, UNC could probably get, get their nine and three. I think, um, or at least I, ten and two, ten and two, because they have UVA this week. Then they have Wake next week, which is going to be a tough one, even though Wake's got blew out by Louisville. Mm-hmm. Then they have Georgia Tech the week after. Then they have NC State at the end of the week. I mean, at the end of the it's the last game of the year. So, but I think they can lose two more. They could. They could lose be to okay. Wake and lose to NC State. NC State and be fine. Um, because they will have beaten everybody in their. Division and then, uh, if they yeah. beat Virginia and the Coastal. Yep. So we're well on our way, man. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, Big 12 conference. I think the. 
fighting Sonny Dykes, man. Hypnotoad. Bro. Ain't no. Now, I've been saying this, though. We've been talking about this for, I think this is our third week now, kind of taking on this format. The team I'm I'm putting everyone on notice for is Baylor. I'm just saying, I think they're going to play. They're either going to wreck Kansas State, TCU, um, who was the other one? Kansas State, TCU, or Texas? Well, Texas is kind of hanging in there. We'll see how they, we'll see how they do. But yeah, Baylor's last three games: Kansas State, TCU, Texas. And I just think they're gonna play. They're gonna, they're, they're you know, and they still have a chance to to get to the conference championship. Um, I think they need some help with Oklahoma State. But if they beat Kansas State, Texas, and and and, and you know, and then um, and TCU, I'm looking. I think they might need Oklahoma State to lose another one, or they would need TCU to lose another one. But yeah. this one's getting interesting. How about Kansas State putting a 49 and nothing whooping on Oklahoma State though? Well, I wow. think that was, and that's what I'm looking at now on my iPad, like. So Kansas State, this is that. I think this Texas game, they have to win this Texas game, in my opinion, mm. because I'm looking at Oklahoma, and obviously we all know what Oklahoma State team we're going to get, but I'm looking at Oklahoma State's last four games: KU, Iowa State, Bedlam, and then West Virginia, all mm. winnable. They they could win out and go seven and two in conference. Um, that's why I think for Kansas State, it's super important how they finish the back half because I feel like their back half is a little tougher. You got Texas, you have Baylor, uh, West Virginia, and then you finish the end of the year with your rivalry game against KU. Um, those mm. are two hard game back-to-back from Texas to Baylor. Like you said, I, I agree. I think Baylor's going to play spoiler to somebody. Spoiler, um, that's the word. I'm like, yeah. Wow. So I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see, man. That offense just looks so much, so more, so much more dynamic, which I didn't think was possible because Martinez was great. They looked great with Martinez. Like I don't yeah. want to take anything away from the kid. But then this backup quarterback came in, and I mean that offense looked explosive. Deuce Vaughn looked great. Um, Colin Klein is having a heck of a year as an OC. How mm-hmm. he's calling these games, man. Yep. I'm thoroughly impressed with how they've been able to do this. So. I think the Big Twelve is actually going to be a very tight race to the finish over these last over the, this last month. I think it's going to dictate a lot. I'm interested, and I think it's down to what you're going to see between TCU, K State, and Oklahoma State. And I think Baylor has a shot in there to play spoiler and disrupt some things and make their way up. But I think the top three of K State, Oklahoma State, and TCU these next four weeks are very pivotal for who's going to play for that Big Twelve champion. Mm. Well, um, let's get to the Big Ten. So, <laughs> the fighting Brett Velen was baby. Like they are playing hard. And here's the thing: I think they just need to win their next two games, which are home games against Michigan State and Purdue. If they win both of those, they, I think, seal their spot in the uh, Big Ten, Big Ten championship. championship. They'll beat Michigan State because they they they're Michigan. They just run the football. And mm. we just saw mm. what Michigan did to Michigan State handedly. I mean, and it, and Illinois ahead. plays good defense. They play I mean, great defense too. 
So Chase Brown's going to carry the ball like 30 times. Yeah. He's going to run for like 180 <laughs> yards, 120, 30 yards, and there's nothing Michigan State can do about it. Um, and then you got to think, they also just lost their star linebacker. He got suspended. He's part of the fight. Mm. Um, they lost a couple key players uh. that play a lot of football for them. Um, I think I so far they've suspended four or five guys um, that all play contribute big time snaps to mm. that to that um to that football team. So that's I, I it's gonna be a win, bro. Between all the stuff that's gone on this week with Michigan State, they're deflated, they've lost guys. Mm. Everywhere you go you have to answer questions about the fights. So you can't really focus on the game. Like that stuff adds up. Yeah. And then yeah, then you they run the football well and they play stingy defense. I mean, Illinois is gonna put it on them, man. It's gonna be great. And I've got yeah, I, I I'm telling you, I can't believe it, but I I mean this is a this is shaping up to be a ten win team because it is. if if they win these next two, which are very winnable, and they're at home, very winnable. That's nine wins, and then they'll have four more opportunities. They'll have Michigan Northwestern, the Big Ten Championship, and the bowl game, mm-hmm. which I think it's really more like two, like the bowl game and Northwestern, but. Just the reality is you got four more opportunities to get that 10th win, and that's – so anyways, we'll go ahead and talk about the East. I had to jump in there about the West. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm loving Illinois this year. Like, I'm actually nervous to play them. I think mm. um, I, I actually am really nervous to play them because very similar, very similar styles. I think we, talent-wise, we definitely out-talent them, but – you know, you get in that kind of game with a team like that, and they get they start running the football. It's going to be, it it, it could be tough. I I don't. We'll see. Um, let's talk about Ohio State real quick, man. They play Penn okay. State and a nail biter. Um, yeah. and then they hit the Ohio State Avalanche at the end. Mm. I went back and watched the game. I'm going to say this. I'm a little nervous about playing Ohio State right now. Mm. Okay. I'm a little. That defensive end, JT, Tool, whatever, he's starting to hum. He's starting to kind of, like, catch his stride on the back end of the season. Mm. Um, and I, we all know this. when they All they need is, like, one or two plays that once that thing gets going, it's going. Yeah. Like, yep. what we saw in that, that six-minute span where they put up, like, 21 points is yeah. Ohio State when they're at their best. Mm-hmm. And I had to be honest as a Michigan fan. I watched that and I go, if they put that together like that when we play them, we have – and I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm an honest Michigan fan. I go, I don't see anybody beating them. Mm-hmm. Like those guys. That is – Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in college football right now. And I'm saying that <clears> – <throat> And I'm saying that even knowing Jackson Smith and Nigba, even at even at his healthiest, I like Marvin Harrison Jr. better. Six three, two fifteen, big you, catch you, radius. You like him over the dude from Tennessee, Jalen? Is it Hyatt? yes, okay. yes, yes? The dude Joe Klatt said this. He goes, "I would not be shocked if Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in the NFL by 2026." The kid mm. is that Trey. I've watched. He is, he is that good. He is yeah. good. He's yeah. really good. Like Ohio State, yeah. I mean, it's- and I mean, and you got to think they still have Julian Flick, Fleming. They still have Nick, uh, that Edoku, and Nigba will play in the game. Mm. If I'm Ohio State, I just rest him. We play nobody else. Rest him and try to get him good. 
and then we're still just I don't know what happened with Myron Williams, the the running back that went down. Mm-hmm. Um so it I depend it depends on itself. And then they still have Trevion Henders. Like man, they just have a a myriad of weapons. And then the mm-hmm. defense is kind of finally starting to like find their stride. Um but I will also say this and then we can move to the SEC. This is what I think about Michigan though. <clears throat> I looked at the score, I've rewatched the game. Twenty nine seven. The game should have been like fifty three to seven. It just mm-hmm. never felt as close as the score alludes to. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is that I haven't been on Twitter because I'm fashion Twitter, so I didn't get to go on my Twitter rant about the game this week. But this is what I feel about Jim Harbaugh, um, in Michigan, because people were texting me like, "You got to score," and we do. We have to score more points in the red zone when we play Ohio State. And I think we acknowledge that, but I think people underestimate how genius of a coach Jim Harbaugh is. Mm. I think he got into that game tray, saw them line up man-to-man, saw that he could do whatever he wanted to do, and was like, I'm going to take the points. Mm. There's no need to risk it on fourth down and let them get a a shocking stop and then they get momentum and they think they can beat us. Nah, I'm going to go vanilla. I'm going to line up man-on-man and I'm going to inflict pain and I'm just going to run it. Like, mm. you know what's coming, I know it's coming, and you're not doing anything about it. So I'm not going to change. And it's my biggest frustration about Jim Harbaugh, but it's the thing I love about him most. that he. So l- let me tell you why, because I just did this thing on NCAA 14. I actually found the exact same playbook Michigan runs. Oh, And you know the enjoyment? Is it? It's the run balance playbook. Ah. Trey, the enjoyment I have that I've played the last three days, lining up, knowing the computer knows I'm about to run it. I know I'm about to run it, and you can't stop it. There's a joy in that. Um, so this is what I will say. I still don't think Ohio State's been tested in the trenches as they will against Michigan, and I don't think they've seen a run game as quite as what they're going to see against Michigan. I mm. think Michigan's hope in that game is going to come down to this. If Blake Corum can have a monster day, which he's had mm-hmm. – there's no sign saying he won't have it because yeah, he's had a right. monster day every game. If Donovan Edwards can elude and give him another 50 to 75 on the ground, if J.J. can make some key scrambles like we saw, you texting me like, J.J.'s cooking, and when he's mm-hmm. moving like that, he – J.J. doesn't have to throw for 300 yards to beat Ohio State. He needs to throw mm-hmm. from like 175 to 225, no inter, no interceptions, and keep the ball moving. I think you beat Ohio State as Michigan as a clock control, we're going to run it down your throat kind of game. I think that's the only way we beat them. But I think right now Ohio State looks dangerous. I got to well, be honest. here's the thing, though. Go back to that Notre Dame game. I think Michigan, who I believe's offense is 10 times better than Notre Dame's, if they take that exact game plan and execution into the Ohio State game, what Notre Dame did against Ohio State, Michigan wins that game. Because that's what they did. That's why that game was so close for so long was because they controlled the clock. They controlled the ball. What they couldn't do was they couldn't cap it. Like, they kept doing too much to themselves. Yep. That once Ohio State, all it took was they finally got that one to bust loose, and then they were able to break away. But I think in the end, it was still, what, like 21-10 or something? Yeah, it was still a close game. Um, And I'm also looking forward to a really – yeah, for the first time since 2006, yeah, I we get an 11 and 0 versus an 11 and 0. And uh, we got gypped. 
that's the wow. Troy Smith yes. was running out of bounds and they gave him the late hit, which that's I knew so crazy. put him in field goal presents. I oh I remember that like it was yesterday. Lamar Woodley, I think. But here's what's crazy about that. If Michigan wins that game, Darren McFadden wins the Heisman. True. Darren True. McFadden should have won the Heisman that season anyway. He should have. He should Troy have. Smith got it just because of that game. That game. That that, that game. win. Not even like him, like because they won that game. I believe if Michigan wins that game, and it not be for that call or whatever it was, I think Darren McFadden. If he also Michigan should have won it in 07. But. If Michigan wins that game, Jim Trestle never becomes who he comes at Ohio State. Mm. There's a lot of... I think we should do an episode on like the biggest what ifs. I know, the what ifs. The and what we could ifs. do that for all sports, man. We we could. Because I have this whole thing going how if if one thing, if I think I said it here before, if Rich Rod's wife doesn't say no to Alabama, Michigan potentially becomes what Alabama is today. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Like that one decision, his wife says no to Alabama the year before. Yeah. Anyways, I... I, I I do think Ohio State is dangerous. I, I think it, but it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna come down to the game. Um, as we all know, that's what it's gonna come down to. I here's what I do say about the playoff picture though. This is what I it it, it pisses me off to say this. I think of if, if it's a close game and Ohio State loses, there's still a shot for them to get into the playoffs. Michigan has to win out to make the playoff. Yeah, that's fair. And then obviously it's a lot of that's gonna be dictated by how the SEC plays out, which yep. is we're gonna talk about here in a second. Um or actually, that's a perfect transition. We can talk about it right now. Um, I know I'm skipping over the Pac-12, but like, I, I don't know that there was any like major notable nah, changes. Pretty, eh, weak. You know, everybody kind of like we talked about the big Oregon UCLA matchup, but then since last week, everything's kind of played out as expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. We're we're kind of leading up to, like I said, I think Utah, Oregon's coming up. Is that this weekend? Um, no, that's a couple weeks. That's in a couple weeks. Oh, they okay. That's going to be a big Pac-12 weekend. Utah versus Oregon and UCLA, USC. I think all play the same day. Is that, see, that the nineteenth? Uh, yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. Ooh, that's going to be a good week in football. So we can pretty much not even talk about the Pac-12 until the week of the 19th. Yep. Because that's when that conference is really going to is really going to shake up. The only thing I'm keeping an eye on is can Nope. Cuz they don't even play any of them. I was going to say can Oregon State play spoiler, but no. They they don't I mean they play Oregon the 26th, but that's yeah. after that weekend. So Let's get to the SEC. Goliath versus Goliath, the game that we've been waiting for is here this weekend. Mm. Now, did you just know three hours ago, Mark Schlaback just – Georgia Nolan Smith is out for the season, Torres Peck. Did not know that. Starting linebacker, star linebacker for Georgia. Mm. That's a big loss going into this week. Oh, yeah. Can Georgia overcome loss of Nolan Smith for the season? Here it is. Um – so let's talk through this game. Defense, even without Nolan Smith, I give Georgia the advantage. Yes. But in games like these, 
in the national championship sort of disproved this statement I'm about to say, but I'm pretty sure I said this exact same statement going into the SEC championship last year, which was in games like these, I tend to give the advantage to the team with the better quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel comfortable giving Tennessee the advantage uh, because Georgia is still Georgia. But we said it early on, and it's at Georgia. But if there's any team during the regular season that's going to knock Georgia off, we said it before the season even started, it's Tennessee. Now, we weren't anticipating Tennessee being the number two team in the country, like an undefeated. We were just looking at the schedule going, if anyone has a chance. It'd be Tennessee. It's Tennessee. Um selfishly, I would like for Hooker, Hendon Hooker, to throw a couple picks and <laughs> to lose this game because right now he's hands down the favorite to win the Heisman. Yep. But Caleb Williams just threw for five touchdowns last weekend, so he's he's still hanging around. So I'm I don't know. I obviously have a little bit of a my heartstrings, yeah, but man, I want this to be like the game of the weekend. The only thing that dis- frustrates me is that at 3 p.m., Arkansas plays Liberty, and like <laughs> I'm gonna have that game on. Like I just am because I'm gonna yeah, watch the Hawks. Your squad, man. Um, so I'll I'll have to watch this Georgia Tennessee. I'll get to watch the first 30 minutes at least on the big screen, and then they're gonna have to go to the iPad. But I. <sighs> I'm rooting for Hendon Hooker, man. Like, and even more so because I heard a little bit of his story this past week. I was watching him play. Man, they demolished Kentucky, by the way. Um, yeah. But he lost a job last year to Joe Milton, the Michigan transfer that everyone loves, and I still got love for Big Joe. Um, I hope he mm. pans out. When most people would have transferred, he went to Hypel and said, oh, I'm still fighting to get this job back. Mm. He got his shot. And they never, he never looked back, and Tennessee has never looked better. Um, if you think about how he played last year, like you felt like something was brewing. I think even at the top of the season for the preview, you and I were like, ah, eh, there may be like a year, maybe mm-hmm. two, realistically. But we both acknowledge there's something brewing down in Knoxville. Yeah, for um, sure. Man, even though it's at UGA, I just think this, I don't know. I don't think Georgia can go toe-to-toe with them offensively. Um, I agree. And I don't know if this defense – this defense isn't what it was last year. It's a great – it's a good defense. It's a really good defense. It's not elite like it was last year. I think Hypel is going to scheme up some stuff there, man, that's going to get Hooker right into his bread and butter. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. I like Tennessee like 42-28. to 28. Mm. Um, I think they just open it up towards the end. Um this offense is just too too good, man. Hyatt is on a whole nother level right now, the receiver. I think that's his last name. Yeah. Um I do. I like I like somewhere that third that forty uh forty two twenty eight. I'm gonna go forty two twenty eight, Tennessee, go big orange. Rocky Top is gonna be singing loud and proud. Um that's that's what I think is gonna happen in this game. If that happens, because let me tell you, this Tennessee team's giving me vibes of another team here in recent history. Um, I'm just not ready to coin them, you know, and give them that stamp just yet. 
But I think if what you just said happens, I will be because they're giving me similar vibes to that 2019 LSU, LSU team. I knew that's what you were going to say. Kind of where there's like this team of destiny feel around them. Now, mm-hmm. look, Hinton Hooker's not necessarily going to be what Joe Burrow was and be the number no. one pick in the draft. Um, I think he's just like, he's, he's, he's like, isn't he like 25 years old he's or something? 24. He's number oh, three he's on Todd McShay's, Todd McShay's big board, the number three um, quarterback. But I mean, Burrow was like 23, 24 though, too. Either way, I'm just saying it's giving me those vibes, but this weekend's a big test. Yeah. We'll see if they can, if they can, you know, tear down the wall, tear down the brick wall. That is the Georgia Bulldogs, man. It, it's going to be hard not to think that this is, you know, another this year a where we got a game for Hendon Hooker. Team of Destiny. This is yeah. a contract game see that? for him, bro. Like, because if he balls out, I don't see NFL teams going, mm, I mean, yeah, he's 24, but the dude, somebody, I can't remember who said this as an analyst. They were saying Hendon Hooker, if he wins his game, which he's already, I think, already proven he's he's draftable, but if he wins his game, he's that team, like if you have an established team already, that you go get as a rookie, and you're like, he's older, he's more mature, he's ran, he ran a pretty good offense in, in college. I think he can come in and kind of captivate a locker room and help you go win right away. Mm. It's a contract game for him, and I think he lives up to the bill. I'm pulling for him, man. I I don't like Georgia. I'm sick of Georgia. They've acted like they've won ten natties. Yeah, I'm 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 sick of them too. I mean, I I really am. I mean, if not for my you know personal reasons for pulling for Caleb Williams to win the Heisman. I would like to see Tennessee, you know, different team, you know, they've, they've, I mean, again, like Tennessee getting back to my statements earlier in this conversation, like that's kind of like Auburn where when you get the right guy in there, like Tennessee's got that program, like they are a national championship type program. You get the right guy in there. I mean, they don't have problems recruiting there. It's they've had no. problems translating that recruiting onto the field, kind of like I was saying with with Auburn. And now they got the guy there. He's got the squad in place. They're rolling. They're kicking. And uh, yeah, well, and that's not the only big game. No, no. If you no, go to not. the other side of the conference, Woo-hoo. you got LSU Alabama playing Brian for the top Kelly. spot in the SEC West. Who would have um, predicted that at the top of the season, bro? Mm. No one saw Brian Kelly doing this year one. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Especially after that loss to Florida State. They're talking about firing him. We, I mean, like when yes. Boutte or whatever, he, he <laughs> scraped, scrubbed his Instagram and never thought he yep. was transferring out. And I, I just, I'm still, I could see LSU. Let's see. I mean, I I'm could feeling, see him. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling a little bold. I, what's the spread on that game? Oh, minus 13 for Bama. It's going to come down to the quarterback play at LSU. Yes. If Daniels if Daniels plays well, I give them a sh- – because I've seen them play quite a few times. When he plays well, man, they're pretty hard to stop. Like, And like you said, it's not a, they're not talent efficient. LSU always has dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's in Death Valley and it's at night, which is what we said last week. What time is the game going to be played? Is it going to be a night game at Death Valley? I think that matters. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Bryce Young is as cool as a cucumber. The dude is so composed, man. I love I'm looking forward to that game because um, he's so calm and he's so collected. But 
I also don't think Bama has the burners that they have had years prior to Jameson Williams and all those guys. Like, they just don't have the backbreaker. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have that yeah. backbreaker guy that you're like, oh, it's crunch time. Either you're going to hand the ball out to the guy or you're going to throw the yeah. ball. They don't have that guy this year. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if, if LSU pulled away in Death Valley. Um, it'll be interesting I, to see. Yeah, I could see it. I just, man, that quarterback's so one-dimensional and – I just look at, you know, they beat Southern. They beat Mississippi State, but my goodness, if you know, Mississippi State did everything to lose that game. I talked yeah. about that a few weeks ago after that game. Mississippi State you that did. then they beat New Mexico, then they barely beat Auburn, get hammered by Tennessee, win a close one at Florida, and then they beat Ole Miss, but I I feel like Ole Miss is kind of revealing who they really are now. Like I don't think that they were truly a top 10 team in the country when they played LSU. I didn't watch a lot of that game, so I'm not real sure what happened. If I recall, I think Ole Miss was up early. They were 21, like three. Um, Yeah. So, but they're coming out of a bye. Bama's coming out of a bye. I think they're going to spy the quarterback and make him beat him with his arm. And, and we'll see if, he can do it. I just, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm still just not really sold on LSU, but we say it every year. LSU is a team that they have the players to get the job done. It's get the job done. It's just what you know. How well are they being coached, and what mm-hmm. team's going to show up that week? Um, and yeah, it's a night game in Death Valley, but it's Nick Saban though too. It is Nick um, Saban. Don't don't bet against the goat. Coming off a bye, because I'm pretty sure he's coming off a bye week as well. Yep. So, rest Ooh. of the SEC. I mean, we talked about Auburn, their coaching situation. Uh, South Carolina kind of came back down to earth this week. I think. They did um, man, that was you know, they, hard to see. They, they were starting. I kind of saw that coming. They were kind of starting to feel a little too good about themselves than mm. than what I was thinking they really were. Uh, Arkansas still hanging in there I, I'm as a fan of Arkansas I, I'd be all right with another nine and four win season another another nine and four season I'm team. holding out hope for a 10 get 10 win season because I, I I think it's possible I don't think it's gonna happen but I think it's possible I think I don't think this Liberty game is gonna be a slouch though so like we better come ready they're to play football yeah they're playing well, football yeah, and it might, like, I mean, we did well defensively against Auburn. I mean, they ended up getting, like, 14 gimme touchdowns at the end of the game, but we held them to 13 points pretty much the whole the whole game. It was, like, 41, 38 to 13, you yeah. know, going deep into the fourth quarter, and then we kind of just gave up. So our defense did please me, you know, versus how we'd been playing, especially against BYU, but I think Hugh Freeze is going to have a game plan. I think uh, uh, Liberty's going to score some points. And, yeah. uh, but, but I'm looking, man, LSU, Ole Miss, Mizzou, like those are all winnable games. Now they're all, we could lose them all as well. I'm not saying that they're like, oh yeah, these are checks. Give me a win. But I like the fact that we have LSU and Ole Miss at home. And I think if we can, you know, take care of Liberty this weekend, like we should, even if it's mm-hmm. a close win, I'll take a close win. I don't care. Just win the game and then take care of business at home against LSU and Ole Miss, and you roll into that Missouri game, uh, eight and three. Yeah. Eight and three. 
you know, and, and, and yeah. there's a chance that, that that game becomes that much more important because it's like, gosh, we win this one and the bowl game. We can be, you know, have a 10 win season for the first time in 11 years, something. So I don't know, I, but I'd be okay. Back to back nine and four seasons um, in year two and three that. for Pittman. I mean, I can feel good about that, especially if our basketball team goes to the final four. So I feel, hey, I just want Michigan to win. If they beat, if we went back to back games. Against Ohio State, I'll say this, and then I know we're wrapping up because we we went a little long today. But yeah. I should have told my friend that it's going to be a long pod. I knew <laughs> um, you said this earlier in the pod, and I want to circle back to it. If Ryan Day loses his game against Michigan again, the seat gets super hot. Yes, it does. Because this is in typical years, and I think. Like, media is kind of brushing over this. Mm-hmm. But they've struggled a few times this year. Mm-hmm. Like, they struggled against Notre Dame, and people wrote it off as first game of the year. They went on the road. They played at Notre Dame fine. Mm-hmm. But then when they finally faced some competition in Penn State, like, Penn's – and, I, and it, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, but the same way. It's like how Michigan's game is always compared to Ohio State's game. Ryan Day is always going to be compared to the dude he came behind, and that's Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. If Sean Clifford throws three interceptions against an Urban Meyer team, the game's not close. Mm-hmm. It's not close whatsoever. He's running He's running them right out of Happy Valley. It's just not happening. Mm-hmm. You almost let Penn State beat you with two turn, And, I mean, the turnovers you got were just freak plays by your defensive end, the uh, who sniffed out two screens and I mean great great football play great football play mm-hmm. but that's not happening every game like right. you almost if he doesn't make that I I'm gonna say if you don't if he doesn't make that because they hit the big run with Trevion Henderson then the next drive they come out pretty much put the dagger in get the pick throw it to um, the tight end off the t- tight end delay and he goes and scores fine whatever. I, if you don't get that interception, Trey, because the way Penn State was moving the football, they were mm-hmm. moving the football comfortably and confidently. Mm. Um, you even saw, like, in the sideline when they hit the big Trevion Henderson run, it was almost like, okay. Yeah. Like, and this is where I go back, though, and I say it comes down to coaching blunders. And there's a point in that game I was yelling at the TV. It was early fourth quarter. They went for it on fourth and one and missed it, or fourth and two. And I'm yelling. I said, Franklin, take the points. Mm. Take the points because you would have been up four. Mm. And then because then I think Ohio State came back and kicked. They were up two. Then they went back and kicked something. It, and it, it came down to that point. He would have been up four when Ohio State would have – um, score the touchdown, you technically would have only been down three at that point. Then they would have got the mm-hmm. pick and scored again. You're only up ten. That's now you're only down ten versus right. down twenty one. I mean, or mm-hmm. fifteen or sixteen, whatever it was. Like, yeah, yeah. ten is an easier. It's easier to wrap. Hey guys, we're only down yeah. ten. Let's a score. touchdown and field goal. We can stop That's them. It. We yeah. versus we're down like seventeen now, and you know you're just like when that happens, I was like, oh, the daggers in them. So. That's the thing I'm also going to come down to is I think the game comes down to, like you said, can Michigan run the football and all that? But I think it does come down to coaching. Mm. I think this is what I feel like Jim Harbaugh's stubbornness to a point helps him. The fact that he doesn't get flustered when he has to make the big decision or do the thing he knows he needs to. He's coasting mm. enough big time. For, 
This dude almost won a Super Bowl, for God's sakes. Like, yeah. if the lights don't go out, Jim Harbaugh wins the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. let's just call it what it is. The lights. Yeah. He's coaching enough big-time football games true. that he knows. All right. I don't know if Ryan Day has that type of calm about him that when, and I say it every year, one, I know C.J. Stroud isn't good under pressure. Two, I don't know if Ryan Day has the gall, the mm. stones, that yeah. when it gets tight, and we saw it last year. When it got tight, what happened? They froze up. Mm-hmm. He almost froze. If Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame had any semblance of an offense, mm. they probably win that game. That's if a, yeah. Iowa has any semblance of an offense, that game's a lot closer than people are willing. Yeah. Ohio State still scares me, but I'm also saying they really ha- – when they finally played somebody that could kind of keep up and compete with them – Yeah. We saw it, and we saw they were getting kind of tight when the game got tight. Shout out to Travion Henderson, who just busted a bit. I mean, it was a phenomenal play. It was a mm-hmm. great play. Uh, at, that's a above the X's and O's type play. Right. But when it gets tight, I that that's what I'm looking forward to, man. And if he loses this game, it's going to be a – I would say next year is a make or break year for him. Mm. Well. We'll see. Just wanted to put that out see. there. I'm still scared of them, but that doesn't mean I can't be honest in my assessments. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, man, that's it. That's all that's I it. got. That was a long that's episode. Um, it's a long episode. You guys deserved a long pod from us. Yeah. I mean, this season we've been hitting over an hour, hour and a half. So you got to think early last year we were doing like 45 minutes. To an hour. We were we also. Found our voice. Yeah, we found our voice and we have unlimited time usage now yes we that a, too <laughs> we were using y'all y'all man i know we were using free trial after free trial when we first started this podcast we're like we got to keep it under an hour dude hey. so no 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 more no more those days. no more limits those days are over we've grown all we've right been, well we've increased our budget <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> well thank you all for listening watching whatever it was and uh we'll talk to you next week I love college, college, hey, college football